Well, back in the day, when I first gave my life to Florida, some of you guys have kind of heard my testimony a little bit. You know, you can't, you know that I came from a background of drug abuse, alcoholism, um, all sorts of stuff. Well, when I gave my life to the Lord, I was immediately delivered from that lifestyle. And so about six months, seven months after I'd given my life to the Lord, I mean, I was hitting the streets hard, right? I was out there preaching the gospel, uh, witnessing to people, trying to lead people to the Lord because I know what the Lord had done in my life. My grandpa ended up dying about seven months after I gave my life to the Lord. And, you know, I had dropped all my old friends. Uh, didn't spend any kind of time with them at all. But they ended up coming to my grandfather's memorial because, of course, I was strong enough to have them around, right? I'd given my life to the Lord and it's been seven months. Well, that night at the memorial, I decided to have a couple glasses of wine. Like, I've been, you know, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. It's fine. I can have some wine. Well, then that day turned into the next day, turned into the next day, turned into the next day. And next thing I know, I was back on drugs again. And I've been two months of drug use and partying. Now, the whole time I sat there praying and I was like looking back at myself, like, how did I get to this place? How did I allow myself to get back to this place that the Lord had delivered me from? I began to get scared. I was afraid. I was like, God, what have I done? I had put myself back into a spirit of bondage of fear. And so there's more to this story. And I'm going to tell you more, but later, not right now. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. Now, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to use this sermon on a sermon of how to not let fear stop you from doing what the Lord has asked. I mean, I even had a really funny story about a midget and fear and how I had overcome fear. (laughs) It's a true story. You may hear about it in one of my sermons. I used to be really afraid. But this is not the fear that this scripture is speaking of. And that's why it's very important when you study, when you preach, and when you read the word to understand the context of the scripture that you are reading, as well as historical context. You see, the Bible talks about many different fears that we have. There's a list of them. So I will give you this list of five fears. That way we can deduct what the Bible is referencing in this one. So one... There is a natural fear. This is a fear. How do I fix this? Sorry, it's bugging me because I can't. Okay. Natural fear. This is a fear that a person has of its creator. We have this fear because we understand our own insignificance towards our creator. His greatness is far more than we can understand while we walk this earth. Knowing he is holy and the creator of all, this is a fear that we won't lose. We will never lose this fear. Even when we are made perfect in glory, we will still bow before God and be in constant awe of his greatness. There is a carnal fear. This is a fear towards man. The fear of what they might say, the fear of what they might do to us. This is the fear that can cause us to be fearful from what the Lord allows us or wants us to do. And this type of fear, we must pray that the Lord will deliver us from it so we can obey him constantly. 
In Psalms 56, 3 and 4, it says, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. There is a servile fear. This is a fear of a slave towards a master. This is a fear of a penalty by the master if the slave offends the master. The slave is in a great fear of consequences and is motivated to obey out of fear rather than out of willingness to please. This fear will last until the slave is turned into a child. Once this happens, the fear should be gone. If servile fear is not cast out, it can lead to a fourth fear, which is called a diabolical fear. This is the fear where we finally accept our consequences and no longer seek to resolve them. This is the type of fear that it talks about in James 2.19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. It's hard to believe, but it happens. It happens to people to get to a point of a diabolical fear where you have accepted your fate that you are going to be set apart from God for the rest of your life. I had a friend, and we used to hang out all the time. And it was after I'd given my life to the Lord. Um, I didn't even know he knew anything about the word, but I was talking about the Bible with him one day, and then all of a sudden his knowledge of the Bible astounded me. I was like, dude, why don't you come to church with me? He was like, I can't go to church anymore. I was like, why not? He was like, no, dude, I'm going to hell. I said, why, why are you going to hell? Like, just come to church with me. So he began to explain to me that he went to a, a prophetic conference. And when he went to this prophetic conference, somebody told him, I see a dark cloud over there, over you, and you're never going to be able to please the Lord. You're going to leave an emptiness forever. That's why also, side note, be careful of who you allow to speak into your life. It ended up actually being a, some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy because now this dark cloud that he had been so stuck on stopped going to church, stopped serving the Lord. It can happen. The fifth fear is a filial fear. This is a fear that is never going to be cast out of your mind also. This is the fear of the Lord. The same type of fear that it talks about in Proverbs when it says the beginning, uh, the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This fear actually should be cultivated towards God out of our reverence and awe for him. It will help us grow in our relationship with him. In Romans eight fifteen, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now this scripture is talking about servile fear, and we can deduct that by the words that Paul is using. Bondage, or some translations say slaves, also based on the whole context of previous chapters where Paul was talking about slavery, such as we are no longer slaves to sin. So back to my intro story I was talking to you about. I came to a point where I sat there and I knew that I was set apart and I was uh, pushed away from God. I was ashamed. I was sad. I cried about it. I, I cried out to God often. But no way would the Lord ever accept me back. And I came to another crossroads where if I didn't make the right decision, that it was going to end up really bad for me. I remember sitting in my room, being there in tears on the floor on my knees, just crying out to God like, God, what? I'm sorry. But I knew it was over and I knew God didn't want me anymore. I had a stack of sermons that, that I used to keep in my room. 
And I happened to just grab one and put it in, and it was a sermon on Romans 8.1. And it said, There is therefore no condemnation that are those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. And it completely changed my life again. I repented. I began seeking the Lord, realizing that I had messed up, but His grace is bigger than my mistakes that I was making. Now, my story is an extreme case of fear of bondage. But there are Christians who think that they are constantly one sin away from losing their salvation. This is not what God has intended for us. Once we're made new, we need to move on from that. We can't live in a constant state that we are receiving punishment after accepting the Lord. Because who's in here? Anybody in here perfect? No? No? Okay. I'm far from perfect. Look, you're going to mess up. You're always going to mess up. That's why God's grace is important in our lives. Because God's grace is going to cover those mistakes no matter where you're at as long as you seek repentance. Now, servile fear can play a role early on in your salvation. It does have a point in your salvation. It's because that servile fear, what it will do is it will help us separate ourselves from sin in in our lives that are displeasing to God. And it's okay to be afraid of consequences of sin. But at some point, this fear should be cast out. It shouldn't be reigning in your mind forever that every mistake you make, you're going to be, oh no, I'm going to be cast into hell because I made one mistake today. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear again, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I myself was adopted. You guys may not know that. Um, I do have a biological mother, but me and my, my older brother were both adopted by my, my dad, right? He's my dad. And I didn't understand what, what he had done for me. Even though I was like nine years old, I would constantly push back against his rules and regulations. Even though he gave us everything we needed, we, get, we had our house, we had food, we had snowboards, playstations, or anything that we want, Nintendos, anything, clothes. But I continuously pushed back on him all the time and didn't respect anything that he'd asked me to do. Even though I was adopted, I still didn't know what had been done for me. I was rebellious. And now, see, I had a fear of consequence, but it ended up resulting in no fear of it at all by the time I was a teenager. I was basically rejecting the birthright that my father had given me because he had adopted me. I'm on the birth certificate or he's on my birth certificate. It wasn't until a few years after I was saved that I finally understood the sacrifice of what it meant to be adopted. Now, some Christians live in a constant state of rejecting what God is trying to do in their life because they don't understand what has been done for them. See, as Christians, we must catch the truth and the meaning of this adoption of God. Because once we do that, we'll be able to cast out servile fear. When we understand our attitude changes from doing what the master wants out of fear to doing what he asks because we want to please him. Just like a son trying to please a father. See, the first part of the scripture sets up the rest of this verse. Understanding the beginning makes this next portion even more powerful. That's why it's really, you know, important to sit down and take your time when you're reading the Bible because you pull things out like this and you're like, I didn't realize how important this next part is. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 
we must understand that God has adopted us. It is a great honor and a prize to be adopted by the creator of heaven and earth. It's not something you guys should overlook. It's hard to understand. It's hard for me to understand. It's unfathomable. But that's the God we serve. It's something we should yearn after. Daily. Okay, I promised myself I wouldn't cry. So May 20th at 1.30 p.m. was one of the happiest days of my life. Dang it. Lord, please. That was the day I was able to adopt Jarrett. For you guys who don't know, he wasn't my biological child, but I was able to adopt him. See, I'd been the only father he'd known his whole life. I love him. I care about him. I want to be part of his life. He knew no other father. He had a biological father, but he was never around. Now, I'm on Jared's birth certificate now, and he has my last name. And it's something special. For those of you wondering how it finally happened, he turned 18. And in Washington State, you can adopt an adult. So, uh, is there any adults in here that are older than me that want to see if I can adopt them? <laughs> Anybody? You know? That would be so funny. Wait, he's older than me. <laughs> Jarrett knew what he wanted. He knew he wanted me to be his adopted father. He knows that I love him. He knows I want what's best for him. He also understands the love that I have for him to be willing to take him as my own child because he is my own child. This is the exact attitude that we should have towards God. We don't brush past scriptures like these just because they aren't important. These have significant meaning. That's why you must really be able to understand the context of the word. You see the writers of the New Testament, you guys know that the audience they were speaking to actually understood what they were saying. They weren't just saying random things. Like, you know, when you read the Bible and you're like, oh, I wonder what he meant. They knew what he meant. Paul knew all about Roman culture. Paul isn't just using any metaphor. He used this one on purpose because it's powerful. Romans knew all about slavery because it was common, but they also knew all about adoption. We hear adoption now and it doesn't seem like such a big deal. You hear about people getting adopted all the time. You're like, oh, good, congratulations. But in Roman culture, it was huge to be adopted by a Roman. Slaves were considered property to their master under Roman law. Most of them never being freed from that bondage. They had no freedom. If they upset or offended their master, they would often be beaten and punished, sometimes given no food. Slaves had no free will. Just the will of their master. And now, there was periods of time where over time a slave could acquire some wealth, but they still weren't completely free. They were able to actually live in their master's houses and use it as their own property as if it was theirs. But the owner still owned everything. They were just free to use it. Everything could be taken away in an instant. They had no rights under Roman law. I mean, imagine having to live your life like that under constant fear of, hey, I'm a slave. I have no rights. If I mess up, I'm going to get beaten. They could kill me if they wanted to. They could not feed me. 
That's exactly why adoption in Roman culture was such a big deal. People yearned to be adopted by a Roman. Slaves yearned to be adopted by Romans because they could finally be free from that bondage. You go from some, nothing to something in an instant. And that was something back in the Roman times, back in the biblical times back then, that was not taken lightly. Paul writing this metaphor is something that those people would understand. So once adopted by a Roman, the person was taken out of their previous situation and placed into a new relationship to his new adopting father. The father becomes his new family head. The adopted son would start a new life with his new family and all of his old debts would be canceled. See that? All of his old debts would be canceled. An adopted son was considered no less important than a biologically born son that was born into the family. They even experienced a changed status with his old name set aside and a new name given to him by his adopted father. Their lives are changed in an instant. In a weird kind of way, they went from being the oppressed to the oppressor because, you know, Romans ruled at that time. But do you understand the depths of what God, our Father, has done by adopting us into his kingdom? We're his children. He loves us. He comforts us. He shelters us. He provides for us. And he cares for every one of us like we are his own biological child. He thinks no less of us. We were once slaves. You were once slaves. I was once a slave, but we've been set free. We've gone from death to life by the adoption of from him and this is something that we should be excited about as a church we should be excited that we get to be adopted by the god of this universe he is our father our old debts have been canceled as we ourselves cry out abba father it means something now abba is aramaic word for father it was a word that signified close intimate relationship of a father and his child as well as the childlike trust a child puts in his father. And father, obviously, I don't have to explain that, right? Abba, father. You guys understand English. Father means father. Okay. Abba, father was only used three times in scripture. Once in Mark fourteen thirty six, when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane praying. Once in Romans eight fifteen, which we are talking about now. And one more time in Galatians 4, 6, also in the context of adoption. You see, Abba Father is like double emphasis on the fatherhood of who God is. I mean, Paul says it in two languages. Just to solidify how deep relationship and intimate relationship we should have with the Lord. It's like, I'm not going to just say Father. I'm going to say Abba Father. Two languages. Reminds me of like a, a little farm boy Right? Running down after his dad comes back from the field. And he was like, Papa, Papa. (laughs) You know? Just when I read it, it plays. It's like, he said it twice. It's the same thing, right? (laughs) Now, since we've been adopted by God, our Abba Father, that also makes us, which is something to get excited about, joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 16 and 17. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Does everybody know what an heir is? Do I have to explain it? No, I probably have to explain it for some of you guys. An heir is one who receives property from an ancestor who is entitled to inherit property. Or one who receives or is entitled to receive something other than property from a parent or a predecessor. See, since Jesus is the firstborn son, God's firstborn son, he is an heir. That means through Jesus Christ, and by the spirit of adoption, we also become joint heirs. We get the benefits and the blessings from God due to being a joint heir of Christ. This is very powerful. It's so hard. Like sometimes like God's glory is so hard to comprehend. I'm like, me, joint heir? Because I know myself. I know what I used to do. He doesn't care about that. Being a joint heir to the one who gave his life for our reconciliation to the Father. And now being a joint heir all hinges on Jesus Christ. Because none of it's by our doing. As a believer, you have no right to heaven by yourself or in yourself. Our rights still go through Jesus. If you're pardoned, it's strictly through the blood of Jesus is why you are pardoned. Since you are justified, it's only through the righteousness of Jesus that you are justified. Our sanctification is because he has sanctified us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our wisdom, knowledge, understanding all comes from a relationship we're able to have with our Abba Father due to the spirit of adoption because of Jesus Christ. It's a great honor that we should not take lightly. We are adopted sons and daughters of God thanks to our one true king. This also means that because we are joint heirs and we preach Jesus Christ and repentance that there will be times we will suffer. Anybody have any suffering? But knowing that in the end, we'll be glorified with God. We will be glorified with Jesus Christ. That should give us strength no matter what kind of suffering you think you're going through. In Mark 13, 12 through 13, it says, Now brother will betray brother to death and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures till the end shall be saved. Thank you, Marty Flint, because as I was working on my sermon, he posted that on Facebook. I was like, I can use that. See, we must remain in the truth and spread spread the gospel no matter what. People are going to ridicule you. Anybody ever been ridiculed before? It's expected. They will make fun of you. They may even hurt you at times. But you can't let that interfere with being bold. Because if you can't handle that kind of stuff now, then you're not going to be able to handle it when it gets difficult. You guys read the Bible, right? read all about the disciples and the apostles and the things that they went through and then we sit here and complain that somebody called us names on facebook (laughs) you guys are so silly (laughs) i watched a video where a woman was talking about uh where she was coming under attack and their church was coming under attack and she sat there in tears and she said i wish they would come at me harder i wish they would come at me more I wish I could be a martyr for Jesus Christ. I was like, dang, dude, that woman is 
crazy savage. <laughs> but we should all have that same feeling. It would be glorious to be martyr, martyred for Jesus Christ. And it may sound weird. Well, it may sound weird to you if you know you truly haven't been devoted to the Lord. But look what the apostles went through. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. They were executed for Jesus Christ. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down at his own request because he wasn't righteous enough to be crucified like Jesus. His own request, like, hey, can you just throw me upside down? Can we do that? Andrew was also crucified. crucified, And James was put to death by the sword. Now, this is just four of the disciples. I didn't want to go through the whole list of all the people that were martyred. But most of them were martyred for Jesus. That is what suffering is. But they gladly did it because they knew the importance of the gospel. If you can't preach God at work because you're afraid someone's going to say something to you, then what are you even doing coming here? Sorry if that was too harsh, but it's true. That's how I feel. I'm up here. I say what I want. (laughs) Really though, who cares what people say to you? Who cares what people do to you? Because in the end, we can rest easy in the fact that we are adopted by God and joint heirs with Christ. Everyone want to bow your head? Lord, thank you for this time that we could come together and worship you. Father, I just pray right now that that the word spoken from your word just sink deep into our hearts. Father, let us serve you. Let us honor you. Let us cast out servile fear. Let us serve you because we want to make you happy, not because we're afraid of consequence. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So before I let you guys leave, I just want to let you know that there is another youth takeover on July 21st. That's why I didn't go. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.